This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark, here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. Today's show is a special programme in which we'll be discussing the sub-regional stadia funding, which has been a hot topic over the course of the week. We'll hear from Communities Minister Deirdre Hargey, sports journalist Keith Bailey and Kevin McLaughlin, and in a moment I will be speaking to the Northern Ireland Football League CEO, Gerard Lawler. Is football finally set to see funds released? Or is this another false dawn? Let's hear what our guests have to say. The Score with Michael Clark. On Monday, Communities Minister Deirdre Hargey delivered the news that the sub-regional stadia funding could not be delivered without an executive. That prompted an angry response from the football community here in Northern Ireland. However, in the last 24 hours, there's been a big development. And joining us now on the score to provide an update is Northern Ireland Football League CEO Gerard Lawler, who on Thursday, along with the Irish Football Association, went to meet the minister. I think it's fair to say it's been a busy couple of days, Gerard. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, Michael. Um, but look, thankfully, it hopefully is worth it. Uh, and we're in a much better place than we probably were late Monday afternoon and previous week. So, yes, look, that's my job. That's what I'm here to do now at this stage. And hopefully we can just kick it on the next stage. Fans will be asking, what has changed? I suppose the main the main point, and taking this back a little bit, Michael, from when I've come into post, I always want the clarity. I have to say, I thought we would struggle to get sub-regionals in this current mandate. So over the last recent months and weeks, what I've been trying to get is a clear picture for clubs. Um, I felt and each MLA is telling people in the constituents a different story, a different picture. And clubs, there was this massive vacuum had developed and nobody really knew what was happening. Do we need business plans? Do we need planning permission? What's going to happen? When is it coming? There's just so many questions and answers. And on a quick calculation, I would say our clubs have probably spent somewhere in maybe the excess of around a quarter of a million so far on fees, plans, planning. And, and that's probably a fairly conservative figure. So my main objective, Michael, was to get a very clear picture of where we were with the executive. And so I suppose to answer your question, really, Today, I believe we have a fairly clear picture. Uh, yesterday, we had a minister who I have to give credit to, and I haven't said an awful lot of nice things about her this week, but who was very open, was honest, who gave a commitment. This program is definitely a flagship program of government. Um, they acknowledge 36 million will, will ne- not be enough 
in the current need um, and there's future investment will need to be delivered or further strands of this programme. And that she's committed and going to the executive to try and push this forward um, as soon as possible. So I suppose we have a lot of clarity. So what has changed really is clarity and we have a clear picture and we have now something to hopefully work with government on to try and move it forward for the good of our clubs. The phrase flagship programme seemed important in the statement that you issued because there had been obviously talk about money being ring-fenced for Casement Park as it was a flagship programme and people were saying, well, hold on, <laughs> is the sub-regional, is that not all part of the same programme essentially? Because the, the regional stadium was obviously Kingspan, Windsor Park and Casement. Two of the three of those are, are, are done essentially. And then the, the next sort of pot of money, which was all agreed in the same time frame in 2011, was the sub-regional, which was the 36.2 million, which is the, the bare minimum you require here. Yeah, and yeah, it was actually, the word flagship was a big discussion in statements, even yesterday that we were making. Um, I, I know flagship is a term that's very important to our member clubs in meetings we've held with clubs this week. And to say the other, the assurance we really got from the minister was that this is a flagship program of government. The money is ring fenced. The 36 million is ultimately sitting there at this moment in time ready to be spent because, as I say, through that vacuum, do they have the money? And then it wasn't seen in the 22, 25 budget. So where is it? So, yeah, flagship it has become a little bit of a, a sticking point. It's a, it's a word I wasn't overly familiar with until this week, but it has become <laughs> very crunched to this situation. But, yeah, I mean, that was a very assurance that we got from the minister. And you, 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 one of the things, look, we, when we went into the meeting yesterday, we'd, we had four points, and from speaking to member clubs, we had four points that we wanted positive outcomes on, and we left the meeting with positives and outcomes in all four of those points. So look, the minister has said all the right things. We have to take her at her word. Um, we have to forget the past is the past. And it's now time for us to lead. And it's now time to us to try and deliver a programme for the good of football. Um, and that's this, I believe, Michael, you know, this is where ultimately difficulties will now start because we are going to have a smaller, you know, we have a pot of 36 million at this stage. We have massive demand for our clubs. My job is to get, and that 36 million, let's remember, is for football. It's my job now to try and get as much of that 36 million for Niffle. So there's a selfish element kicks into this for, for me and for Niffle that we get as much of the 36 million for ourselves. We're also then the next stage of that is clubs are going to want as much of that for each club as is possible. So while this is a good day and a positive day, there's a lot, a lot of hard work and a lot of, you know, calm heads required and leadership required because we have to deliver this across the football family in the best areas, in my opinion. So look, it's a good day, but there's a lot of hard work ahead and a lot of challenges. And as I keep saying, we'll need leadership and we will need calm heads of how we distribute that throughout the football family because no matter what we do, there's people going to not be happy with the outcome of this. So I want to, you know, I'm very wary of that today, Michael. So um, we'll enjoy today. But again, we want to see the money in our bank account. So again, we're not getting carried away. We've had false dawns. I, I don't like being negative, but we have had false dawns previously. 
Um, it's my job to make sure this is not another false dawn, and I will do with everything within my power to do that. My gut is this isn't a false dawn. I think the football family coming together last week sent a very, very clear message to Stormont. I, I had said in a number of quotes during the week that I felt we felt and the football family felt undervalued. And I stand by those comments and I think they're true. But I think the unity and the unification of the football family on this point last week and everyone from all sections of communities, from all parts of society coming together sent a very clear message to Stormont. And I believe it's the football family that deserve all the praise today. And they deserve to take the credit of getting this program from where it is today. And, and hopefully they now see the value in local football and we continue that forward. Did you have to convince the minister that, you know, that this was something that could be delivered on, you know, without having a, a power sharing executive? Uh, because you, you look at the, I guess, the, the criticism Sinn Féin received after, you know, Sinn Féin MLA made the initial statement. Um, and you think, well, how can it be controversial or how can other parties not support it when they're so willing to criticise Deirdre Hoggie for what she said initially? You know, maybe this could be a matter for the Assembly rather than waiting till after an election. Um, to be honest, Michael, no, that wasn't. I didn't really see that as my point to get into with the minister at the at the stage of yesterday. I say yesterday was a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, but no, I have to say she came to the she came to the table yesterday. You know, I, I think we got calls. Of, I got a call yesterday about half ten. Um, that could we meet the minister? And I says, yeah, certainly, no problem. And I probably thought that meeting was going to take place in the next week or so. And then I got an email. An hour later, saying, yeah, the meeting's at 2 o'clock, 2.30 today. So it was very much changing diaries and, and working around. So we didn't know really what we were going into. So again, to give credit to the minister, when we went in, it was her, I, I you know, she held hands up um, without, you know, too much. It was a very open meeting. It was a frank, it was an honest meeting. Um, and we had to draw a line and we all agreed to, to acknowledge our weaknesses of the past week or, or, or previous in this programme. We drew a line onto that and it's how do we move on. And in fairness to the Minister, it was her that says, I plan to go to executive colleagues today, which surprised me if I'm truthful. But I have to give the Minister the credit for that one. Um, that was something that her and her officials had come to us with as a priority. Obviously, we were pleased to hear it. And then we had to work through the other points uh, and they were pretty easy to work through. So I just, as I say, the proof of the pudding will be in eaten, but I'm hopeful today that we can now move this forward. And the big question is, and it may be a difficult one to answer, is you know, what's the time scale for delivery here? I mean, have you have you set yourself a short-term goal of where you need things to be to, to satisfy the minister so that things can keep moving at a, at a pace you're happy with? Well, ultimately, the minister's timeline is this mandate. Uh, you, you know, she tells us she isn't posted to the day before the election. Uh, she was going to executive colleagues and told, well, her acknowledgement was last night. So I'm hoping they will come back to her, hopefully relatively quickly and by, by Monday. But each one of these parties have all backed this programme. And in fairness, I'm hoping the minister writing a letter to them is an open door because they've all attacked her. So hopefully now that they, they have no choice but to back it so we we would hope the total executive will back the program and um, she told us the money's there there obviously is a working group um, that is working on, on us on a strategy and on a program 
I haven't been involved in that previously um, because it, it was happening before I joined NIFL and, and ultimately um, I'm, I'm not involved in it because I still do have, from my past life, I still do have some conflicts of interest that I have that we're working through. So being truthful, so it's best that I have stayed out of that at this stage. And Stephen Mills, our chief operating officer, deals with that for me and Stephen manages that programme. So that working group has to put a package together and put that programme to the minister for her approval. I'm here and believe she is well over that programme. And we would hope that ultimately before an election, we would have a programme rolled out then we will need to see how much that programme really is required and how much money. Is. And I think we can only really get figures when the Minister designs on a programme and rolls it out for applications. Then we see the ultimate value that it would take to solve the need of football. So there's different processes, is my understanding of them. Um, in the meantime, as the Niffle family... And, you know, and I have to be careful with, with the rest of the football family because we are a football family, but I have to be selfish now for Niffle, the 43 Niffle clubs. Um, and we all talk about 12 in Niffle of Premiership. It's not, it's 43. Um, from, you, you know, we, we have new members this year to the Ladies League. So we have 43 um, people and clubs that we now need to sit down with. We need to look at their work. So I would hope in the background at Niffle, we will now do a piece of work ourselves. We will see the demands of the clubs. We have to ask the clubs to be realistic in, in what we can achieve and what are the real needs and what are the urgent needs of within football? What other needs can they possibly wait a year or two on? So we hope to start on Monday evening. Um, it's been public that uh, we have a Niffle meeting of all member clubs on Monday evening. We will start that process. We will start having honest conversations. We will challenge clubs on what their requirements are. And I'm ultimately hoping we could go to the minister before any programme kicks off to say, look, as a football and I as a football family with a niffle, here's what we require. And I I use analogy of a cake a lot. People are probably fed up listening to me in a cake. But <laughs> have you a big birthday coming not, up, Jared, or one just no, gone? <laughs> I haven't and no, no, but maybe some people might say heal a lot of them might not. But you know, there has to be a piece of the cake for everyone. Mm-hmm. And everyone mightn't get as big of a slice of cake now as what they would like, but at least some cake's better than no cake is, is, is an allergy I've used a lot since I've come in the post. So, you know, we only have a cake within Niffle. So let's divide that cake as best we can for the needs and then see what other cakes are down the line. So as I say, Michael, I believe the hard work is really starting, but I'm really excited by it. Um, I know the needs of our clubs. Our clubs have delivered year on year the league's getting bigger it's getting better in premiership we look at the competitiveness of championship of pil this year you know all those three leagues are so tight at the top um and i and that's you know people praise niffle a lot niffle is nothing without its clubs niffle you 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 know and, and i know that's easy to say but it's so true because it's the clubs and Niffle is only, in my world, we are here in my job and with Stephen and the rest of the team and Neil, we're here to create a framework for those clubs to develop and grow. And while we keep continuing that framework, those clubs continue to grow and develop and football in Northern Ireland continues to grow and develop. So 
there's hard, hard roads road, Michael. We're not, we're not there yet, but we'll keep going and say, hopefully we can satisfy as many people as possible. You've been very good with your time and I really appreciate it, Jared. I, I want to ask you about the League Cup final in a minute, but just one final question on the, the funding, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is, you know, you're talking about people may need to get a different slice of cake than maybe what they initially were expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, for example, Glentoran fans might be thinking, that new stadium, is is that a guarantee or is it all part of a conversation now mm-hmm. in terms of the the initial way money was laid out? It, it might need a, a change in thinking. My understanding, Michael, I'm not involved in, in, in the process. Um, for me, the Oval must be a pri- would be a priority. You know, Glentorn are a massive club in this country, and they haven't had any funding to date. So, yeah, Glentorn should be a priority. I w- I would imagine going forward, um, but how the money is ultimately divvied up and cut up is not my responsibility. But I think within Niffle, Glentorn would be one of the prime ca- candidates that we would be pushing to try and develop because, you know. I know it's a cliche now. We all wanted a strong Glentorn. Well, yeah, we all did want a strong Glentorn, and by God, we've got one. But Glentorn also need facilities to develop and move forward. And so that will definitely be one of the key products that we look at uh, and move forward. Okay, now on to the the League Cup final itself. Uh, It looks like encouraging ticket sales already. For anyone that doesn't know, it's a Sunday, so uh, a bit of a... A history-making moment there, Sunday the 13th of March, Cliftonville and Coleraine meeting at Windsor Park, a game that's going to be live on Sky Sports. But, but Jared, the, the thing I wanted to talk about and commend Niffle for was the ticket prices, a, a tenner for for adults and uh, £5 for concessions, and obviously that includes kids. So uh, a very reasonable pricing structure. You don't often get to a final for a tenner. No, and, and really the strategy behind it was, Nigel, when we sit down and we looked at it, I, I often think the league, our League Cup, outside of Premiership and the other two uh, three championship divisions, it's our Premier Cup competition. And I think it has all been undervalued in years past. So we looked at how do we grow it. And our objective is ultimately that the Bet McLean or Niffle League Cup final, uh, as, it, as it is, is, a, is an event in the sporting calendar in Northern Ireland. And and to give you the back, you know, so let's be honest, everyone goes, uh, lots of people go to Stealing Sons on, on Christmas morning, no matter who's in it. Um, everyone goes to Down Royal and Boxing Day or July, you know, so people have sporting events in their calendar that they go to. What we have found with a lot of local football is, and especially our League Cup, who goes to our League Cup is the two teams that's in it. So the idea was, how do we take this, open this up in the community event, open this up into an event for the calendar and how do we want to go about what other models? And to be truthful, the model that we based this on was the FAI Cup final in Dublin, which I believe this year had 37,000 people at it. And I've been to for a number of years. So we looked, well, what is the structure? Sundays, you know, and we live in Northern Ireland, and let's acknowledge that. So we, we set out, well, is Sunday one of the things that makes that work and one of the key indicators? Pricing was another key indicator we felt for it. So to be truthful, we haven't really reinvented a wheel. We've just copied the model that was down south. And we've gone for Sunday. Sunday is a big sporting day down south. We know that. But we're willing to try it and take away that. You know, we have we have that sort of total bottleneck of football at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in this country. And, and, and people playing and Saturdays are such a busy day. So we're saying, let's try Sunday. 
Luckily for us, and I have to say it was luck because the two teams that got to the final were open and willing to play on the Sunday. And then we looked at pricing to say, well, let's provide people the opportunity to experience Irish League football. So, you know, two adults and two kids won the final for £30. Um, we have a marketing, a massive marketing campaign. So while it's a final, it's also a showpiece for football. Uh, we then had, to be honest, we didn't. Our other challenge was Sky, and we didn't think Sky would ever show an Irish League game at three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon with three Premiership matches on that day. But thankfully, they did. So it's all coming together really, really well, Michael. And this is the start of a process. We're not going to sort all the ills of the League Cup final out this year. Um, but this is a process that we're sort of in a direction of travel that we wish to take. So this is year one. We hope year two will be bigger. Year three will be bigger. And the two clubs, and I have to praise Cliftonville and Korean, um, they have been fantastic. Um, it hasn't been about making money. It's not. They both clubs have really seen the bigger picture, and I've had to sit both clubs down and say, you know, guys, maybe we just want to take away 30, 40 grand out of this final. We could be maybe struggling this time to do that, and and they were both look. It's not about money for us. It's about the league and its promotion, and that's about working together. So so far so good, Michael. I think I I did tweet yesterday. We had hit four thousand in the first fifteen hours. Um, this morning I know we're over five thousand at this stage. So my target being, I don't know, optimistic or not, the challenge that I have for the team at Niffle and what their personal objectives are that we 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 get we're aiming for twelve thousand as our barometer. We would like to reach twelve thousand. Deep down if I got past ten, I would be very happy and I think it would be a great first year. But they're the targets that we're setting ourselves and trying to achieve. As I said, I think it's really commendable. Uh, I think it's something that we're all going to look at and see what the numbers are like, and, and hopefully it might influence others when they're thinking about you know ticket pricing for different events at different times of year. That um, you know there's such an appetite for football in this country. Let's make sure the people that love it are able to afford to get to it, and uh, this looks like a way to do that. So well done on that, and uh, probably go get yourself a, a nice drink of your choosing at this stage Jordan go relax a little bit if you can I know there's a lot of work to be done but there's a lot of work that has been done this week so fair play thanks a lot Michael I appreciate it and again I just want to thank all the football family that have come together and the press and the media you know we have a great relationship with football writers and this has all been a joint effort to get us where we are and I want to thank everyone for their contribution The Score with Michael Clark. Now I'm very pleased to say uh, the Communities Minister, Deirdre Hargy, able to join us on the programme and um, thank you so much for your time. I know it's a constituency day, uh, Deirdre, so busy times as always, but our, our football fans in Northern Ireland are going to be very pleased with this news. Uh, what prompted the change from Monday? The tone has definitely shifted. Well, I think there's been no change. What I wanted to do when I met with the IFA and Niffle was to really re-clarify um, my position on this. Obviously, I came into post in January 2020, and at that point, I wanted to start moving on with the sub-regional stadia programme. Um, we obviously had the pandemic in the midst of that, and stabilising sport was a key priority throughout the pandemic. As we moved through then, I had carried out a re-engagement and refreshment exercise to look at where the programme was, to see what needed to change and moving forward. And the position that I was always clear on was that I had to take those proposals back to the executive again 
and I had committed to doing that before the end of the mandate. Now, on Monday, obviously, I had question time in the Assembly. I was asked the question, and I had said that I was still working on the programme. I wanted to um, have this done before the end of the mandate to move it forward, but without an executive, that left us in an uncertain position. But what I did say um, was that I was looking to find ways to see, without an executive functioning, to see if we could move the programme forward. Now, I acknowledge and recognise that that was misconstrued. Um, there were comments that I was shelved in the programme and that was never the case. So I think the meeting uh, with the IFA and NIPL yesterday just clarified that, um, really cleared the air. It was a good and productive meeting and I think there was commitment from all of us around the table that we really want to work together to push this programme forward for Cert the good of football overall. Certainly, Minister, and not to cut across you, but I'm aware you're tight for time. Um, Sir Gerard Lawler said it was open and honest. He, he appreciated the commitment you gave. Football fans would be wondering, is this now going to be done in your mandate? I'm aware that this is something you're, you're trying to unlock the funds you, you've written to uh, people across the Assembly. Are you getting that support? Is this something we can see happen before the elections now? Well, certainly there's a commitment from me to work with football in order to get this across the line um, as much as we can before the end of the mandate. Um, at the meeting, I had advised that I was writing to um, my other executive ministers who are still in post, asking for their support that that's done as well. So we're in the process of doing that and obviously trying to get through the legal hurdles that are there. Um, and I think there's a determination from myself that we will see this programme through and I want to continue to work with the IFA and NIFL in order to do that. So we will know over the coming weeks in terms of those hurdles. Um, but I think the meeting yesterday was good just to, you know, reaffirm my commitment to the programme. Um, and I'm hopeful that we can push this ahead over the coming weeks. You know, if we look at the words that you've offered, they've always been very positive. But the criticism has been that it's the action side of it. Um, with respect, Minister, you know, when when will, will we see that the fruits of all of the promises as such? And, and when will the IFA, the Northern Ireland Football League, see the money that they've been chasing that was promised as far back as 2011 and has gone through different ministers, not just yourself? Yeah, no, well, I completely understand that and I had said that yesterday you know that this has been a long drawn out process for the clubs and for the associations and leagues that are involved um, when I came into post I mean the first thing I committed to was re-engage with the football community um, I established a working group in which the IFA and NIFL sit on we had re-engaged with all of the clubs um, and had asked them to fill out surveys in terms of because I recognised the programme from 2011 was now 10 years out of date. Those surveys were completed. We analysed the results. In the middle of that, as I say, there was a pandemic as well where we had to stabilise the football sector um, because there was a concern that they could go to the wall. Um, so we have now finished that analysis exercise. There's a set of proposals there that we're all confident will actually start to meet the needs of the sport. Um, what I did recognise yesterday as well is that we will try to put more resources in to this programme as we're moving now, but there will be a need for future investment um, in terms of football going forward and indeed for the other sports that were part of the regional stadia programme. So this will be the start. Um, what will happen next if we can get the programme signed off and pushed through? It then gets into the detail of costings under each of the strands that are going to be proposed. And then um, not long after that, then when business cases are fu fully completed, we will then get into an open call process 
where clubs can come forward and apply for the funding that's available. There's a lot to unpack there and we don't have time to do it at the moment, but I'm just wondering on that front, is that something then that if you get the support from uh, the other members of the executive that this can start now essentially and regardless of elections it can continue on in the background with the, the representative bodies doing the work that's required? Yes, 100%. The working group, as I say, that's made up of the IFA and NIFL, that will continue okay. to work with the department in terms of the design and the detail of the programme. Uh, and then the next stage is getting the application process ready so that that can go out into an open call for the funding. And the additional funds that will be required, I think everybody's accepted that $36.2 million in 2022 just would not do what is needed um, by the football clubs. So would that be a separate request for the the next assembly as such is is it is it two questions if you like the, the 36.2 let's get that out and then there'll be a, a reassessment down the road or or how do you add on a new part to an an old agreement well the 36.2 million's ring fence so that money is definitely there what we're trying to do and what i've acknowledged is obviously building and construction costs have increased there's yeah. inflationary costs so we're trying to find a way I've communicated with the Minister of Finance and I know that he's open to exploring avenues as to how we could potentially increase the pot um, for this first round of funding. Is there ways that we can do that to take account of those uncontrollable costs to ensure that as much of the $36.2 million actually goes into the real work on the ground within the clubs? So we're actively looking at that at the moment and that's what I will be engaging other ministers on is to get that support then to increase the pot if we're able to do that. So again, the IFA and NIFL, I'm going to continue to meet them um, on a regular basis as we go through this over the next couple of weeks. And if we can find a way of increasing the resource around that, then we're, I'm going to do that. And just lastly, had there been a confusion about this being a flagship programme? And the reason I asked that was Conor Murphy's tweet, the finance minister's tweet earlier this week about casement being part of it. People people wondered, was he implying in some way that the football was not? No, there was. there's obviously the way the programme, I mean, they're all flagship projects. They're all priorities for the executive, as was what we really confirmed in the new decade, new approach agreement as well. So obviously casement set as part of the regional stadia with Windsor and also Kingspan. And then obviously you had the sub-regional sitting below that programme. But they're all very much flagship projects. They're key commitments from the executive. Um, and both projects will progress forward. And the money, sorry, I should say is ring-fenced for both. Very welcome news for our football fans. So so very, very much the last question from me then. The next couple of weeks, is it is it just you waiting for responses now from your from your uh, colleagues across the executive? Yes, well, we I'll be I've uh, written the executive uh, ministers who are still in post. I've asked for their views, so we will await the responses for those, and then I'll be meeting again with NIFL and the IFA as we go through to look at the next stage. We'll also be engaging with the finance minister, as I say, who is open to that engagement um, around the resourcing issue. Um, and if we can get the programme agreed and over the line, it just gets in, as I say, Michael, to the detail mm -hmm. of actually getting the application process together and then starting to get the money ruled out. OK, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, Communities Minister Deirdre Hargey. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, what a start to the programme. We've heard from the Northern Ireland Football League CEO. We've now heard from the Communities Minister. Uh, let's get... Uh, 
shall we say, a balanced view on things. Uh, bring a journalist in to uh, call it as he sees it, I guess. The sports editor of the County Down Spectator and the Newton Arts Chronicle, friend of the programme as well. Of course, Keith Bailey. Welcome back on to The Score, Keith. It's great to be here, Michael. Uh, what a week. Uh, there, there's so much to, to really get your teeth into and, and fans will just keep coming back to the same question. Has anything actually changed? Well, this is it. I mean, you know, some could, could argue that uh, that it was off and then it was on again. And somebody else might argue that nothing's actually changed and we're just back to, to where we started. It's been a, a fairly interesting week uh, for, for everyone connected with football and everyone who takes an interest in politics because this uh, this runs a lot deeper than, than Irish League football. It most certainly does. Um, are, are you now optimistic that we're going to see these funds in the coming months? We, we keep hearing, you know, and we have heard a lot about commitment and, and now it seems that this can be done without a power-sharing executive as long as the, the ministers still in post and the executive all sign off on this. Am I optimistic the funds will be released before the election? I mean, in a word, no. I mean, this was muted first time around 11 years ago. It's been seven years since DECAL released the, the document outlining how they intended the, the funds to be spent. Obviously, that, that document's long since been, uh, been put to one side. And it's been two years since, probably more importantly, the Assembly returned and, and Deidre Hargey took that post. And we haven't had any progress in that time frame, so I think it probably stretches credulity to think that 36 million will be delivered before, in the next two to three months, just before an election. Um, I think that is highly optimistic. Uh, I think the best case scenario is that we get the process underway and that you see a situation where it's possible for clubs to apply for funds for funding. But I mean, even getting that done before. Before May is probably optimistic. Um, there's a fair amount of work to be done. Um, and listen, I mean, I'm not necessarily on board, and I understand clubs' frustration, but with the sort of bang the table, give us the money now attitude, yes, I know where it comes from because we've waited an awfully long time, but I think it's more important that that money is, is distributed fairly and that the whole process is done properly because if it doesn't, if it isn't distributed in, in a in a fair manner, you know, you're going to have protests, you could potentially have judicial reviews and you could, get, you could have other holdups, but at the same time, I do understand the desire to do it quickly, because obviously in the back of everybody's minds, what the fear here is, is that the Assembly, when the elections come round in May, Sinn Féin will be the biggest party, perhaps uh, the DUP won't want to go in the government in that situation with the Sinn Féin First Minister, and then we don't have an Assembly, maybe the money doesn't come through anyway, and um, that's, that's worst case scenario but um you know if we proceed in good faith and, and hope that that doesn't happen then i don't think we should be rushing into it just distributing the money uh in an unhealthy manner i mean if you want to go back to the 2015 decal document that that, that was a poor piece of work it was 10 million strand was was set aside for one club in glen Torn alone i mean that that didn't seem seem fair let's be honest with 70 million for the rest of the premiership the other 11 clubs and then the championship was just reduced to, to 3 million so i mean that that's kind of that's a kind of poor document that you'll get if you rush these things and that original document was rushed um so it's a it's a dangerous situation that you can't really afford to to get this wrong and i think the important thing is it's done right it, it can't just be a case of bang it out now and that was part of what Deirdre Hargy has you know, stressed. That's why she felt it was important to refresh things, do another consultation, because she was looking at 
evidence-based um, quite a significant period of time ago now. And clearly, inflation alone, when you look at the resources it's going to be required in terms of the construction costs, everything has gone up. So 36 million plus whatever isn't going to cut it really at all. So there's going to be a lot more money needed. But I would imagine in the short term, when we're having the, the allocations where, where people are saying, can we have X amount for this? It's going to cause a bit of friction, isn't it, internally in the football family as such, because everyone's going to be fighting for, well, what what isn't worth as much as it was then. Well, well, that's the key point in all this, and that's why I think it's very important that the Department of Communities, Department for Communities, delivers more funding uh, for for the domestic game in Northern Ireland. I mean, we talk about thirty six point uh, two million. That that was the the number that was first bandied around in twenty eleven. You know, thirty six million in twenty eleven is worth twenty seven. I think twenty seven and a half million today. But that actually, it's it, it isn't as much as that because the the inflation, normal inflation, is massively outstripped by construction inflation, um, and that's only going to go in one direction. We all know about how, how energy bills are going up, and that has a knock-on effect for the construction industry. So, you know, in reality, thirty-six million now will do half, maybe slightly more than half of what it would have would have achieved in twenty eleven. So, to my mind, it's it's important that that more rather than rushing this out i think one of the most important things is that it's done fairly but the next most important thing is that it, it's the money is distributed or sorry that the that more money is found because if it's just 36 million you know there will be a lot of di- disappointed clubs and it won't achieve anything like what it was supposed to achieve when it was first muted 11 years ago and i think that would be a real shame just how important are the funds that we're discussing in terms of the development of the game here, how how much is football being held back by the fact that we still haven't seen this money put into the game? It's not good. Obviously, we need those funds to to improve football in this country. Um, I think it's it's essential to the progression of the game. But I mean, how effective this fund this funding is depends on on what way it's distributed for me this funding will be wasted if all we do with it is build new grand stands for football clubs that already have grandstands that are often less than half full on a saturday afternoon i think it's important that we find uh we find ways to deliver projects that have a genuine community impact whether that's by way of of community hubs or whether that's by way of making sure that there's women's football involved and youth football. You know, it can't just be a case of of sticking up, you know, plastics, uh, you know, stands with empty plastic seats in it. That will, if we do that and those seats aren't filled on a regular basis, then that will actually, you know, that will create a, you know, some resentment towards our state football because it will be viewed that public funds been wasted. So I think it's important that we get it right. Um, I also think we need to be careful with that we don't bake in. A degree of inequality to the league. If if we go back to the 2015 plans, I'm going to say this. I'm very much aware that those aren't on the table anymore. But we, if we just use that as a template, um, in total, 10 million was supposed to go to Grand Torn and 17 to the rest of the Premiership. That's 27 million, and then 3 million to the Championship, and then 3 million to the rest of intermediate and junior football. I mean, I think the problem there is if you if Championship clubs and the most Championship club under that guideline could get was 500 thousand. If you have a situation where championship clubs can only get five hundred thousand, but Premiership clubs can get you know three million, then you know you bake in a certain degree of inequality and you, you play a game there of kind of musical chairs because we all know 
Carrick, Guards, Ballinamallard, Mallard, Warren Point, you know, those institute, those clubs bounce up and down between the two divisions. So it, it wouldn't be right to play musical chairs. Here's the music stops. Warren Point are in the Prem, so they get three mil. You know, Ballinamallard are in the championship, so they only get 500,000. You know, if that, if it goes down like that, then that there's a real problem there because it, it, it means that you've, you've made it very difficult for championship clubs or clubs below that to expand and to, to grow. And you also have the, the danger there of the Donegal Celtic situation. If you go back, you know, it's over a decade now, but quite a lot of public funding was put into Donegal Celtic's ground, um, which is great. You know, it, I've been there relatively recently and the, the stands are, are there, but you know, nobody sits in them on Saturday. They play in the, the Ballymena Intermediate League. And, um, you know, obviously that funding was meant to help a club, uh, you know, assert itself in West Belfast and become, you know, a proper premiership force. And it, it didn't really work. And there was always a danger of that. Um, so I think that, like I say, the money needs to be sent very carefully. Um, I do think that we... The IFA have talked about a training centre, and, and you know, in our thick circles, people are a bit sniffy about that. I have to say, you know, I think for the the progress of our game, a national training centre would be an excellent thing. Um, whether or not the funding should come from this or not is maybe open for debate, or maybe there's a way to find a partnership with an Irish League club, and then you could kill two birds with one stone by having the training centre at an Irish League at an Irish League club, and then that rejuvenates both the club and, and gives the IFA the training centre that, that, in my opinion, they do need. I think football in this country needs um, a hub similar to the Dragons Park that they have in, in Wales. Because Glen Torn have been mentioned a few times, I mean, just to be fair to Glen Torn, because they don't have a voice on the programme, part of why they say it's so important that they get these funds and are able to develop the 8,000-seater stadium or thereabouts that they, they have envisaged is, is to have a Category 3 stadium. Um, so that clubs can play European football, because if Lauren had progressed, you know, to play Spurs in the in the Conference League playoffs, they would have had to have moved that to Windsor Park. Inver Park doesn't have the Category Three status, so mm-hmm. they're saying, well, should we not be trying to get to a point where we have more uh, big, higher standard stadiums, and you know, take it to another level, and not part of this bid? But you look at the the 2028 Euros. We're all relying on Casement Park being built. You know, a lot of people this week have been annoyed about Casement Park being brought up and money being secured for it, etc., etc. But the reality is, there won't be the Euros in Northern Ireland unless Casement Park's built. Will there? Unless somebody's about to do something revolutionary we've not heard of. Yeah, I mean, very, very fair points. I think the first thing to say is, I don't think anybody within Irish state football, nobody sensible anyway, begrudges uh, the Casement Park, you know stadium being built at the end of the day Windsor Park was redeveloped Ravenhill was redeveloped it's only right that the Casement Park is redeveloped as well um, obviously there's you know there's problems there in the area and, and some of the residents are unhappy about the size of the stadium but that's not a football's business um, I, you know I think it would be fantastic actually to have a, a big new stadium in Belfast and something that we should we should all welcome and again like you say if we're serious about Euro 2028 you know wouldn't it wouldn't it be great to see um, you know, a, a European Championships last 16 game played in Belfast. That that would be wonderful. So, you know, I, I fully support that. Um, yeah, I think you touched upon something there with Glen Torn, and you're absolutely right. I, I think that we do need a, I guess for want of a better phrase, a second stadium, something that can host maybe events like the League Cup final or Irish Cup semi-finals under 21 internationals, women internationals. You know, we, we don't really have that second ground. Um 
in the sense that, that we've got a lot of stadiums that are all kind of maybe about the, the same level. Um, I think that there should be a strand within this for clubs to apply to for for there to be a second ground. But I don't think it the that 2015 document you know just handled the, the Glant Horn. I think it would be a better process if there were maybe three or four clubs who saw that as something for them that could bid for it. Um, I think that would probably be a fair way to do it. Um, but down the levels, you know, the, this money has got to deliver things like 3D pitches in areas that maybe don't have access to that many 3D pitches. It's going to deliver floodlightings to PIL clubs, for example, or even championship clubs that, that don't have floodlighting. You know, stuff like that, that's really, that sounds really small time, but stuff like that is really fundamental, uh, lower down the levels. And I, I think that's that's what we, we need to aspire to, that there's, you know, everybody gets something. Um, I mean, that's not possible. You know, this isn't a panacea. It probably isn't going to please everyone. But I think it is important that, that we do our utmost to ensure that, that some of the smaller clubs are looked after and this money just doesn't get hogged by three or four big projects. And naturally, my role, I'm asking lots of questions. But one thing I, I'd happily put on record as, as being my opinion is we need to have facilities, 3G pitches across the country because and people maybe don't realize this if you aren't from one of those areas, the opportunities that creates for young people and different initiatives for more football to be played, for more sport, for more interaction, for more cross-community activity and engagement, as opposed to fighting it out over an oil pitch that isn't up to standards anymore. Um, Having these facilities is far more than just what might happen on a Saturday and a match day and the team you support and all the, the sort of tribal in the right sense. Uh, ways you might sort of imagine that up to be this is so much bigger than that isn't it really if you can have better stadiums if you can have better facilities then we can start to cater for more things for more people on all ages yeah i mean there's still a little bit of you know which is amazing to me kind of 12 years on after after cview and salt salt you got their pitches put in but there's still you know a little bit of sneering about 3g pitches and okay you know maybe there's debate to be had about whether it's right for elite level football to be played in plastic pitches i personally don't have a problem with it but you cannot deny the community impact that those pitches have you know you can play football all day long um and you know you, you if you want to go somewhere to see community impact you know maybe the blanche Forest stadium um holland north welders new facility that was that was built by uh funding from belfast city council i mean they're playing football there you know morning and night there's endless amounts of kids games played there obviously the welders play there but it also can it has the capacity to host youth, youth internationals it's a really good modern facility it isn't you know it isn't wembley it didn't cost 100 million to build but it's how ha- it's having a genuine community impact in that area and that's the sort of project that this that this money can can achieve uh, um, i would like to see see more of that sort of thing yeah we've realized over the last couple of years if if any of us had taken for granted the huge impact that sport including football has on our lives and i mean hats off to the, the work that's gone on at the blanchard stadium i was there for the victory shield and i've been there since and the the place looks fantastic but it allows that community hub and a ground to be proud of but also bigger ticket events to happen which draws more people in and can inspire people these sometimes sound like smarmy phrases i appreciate that but but sincerely that is the case um keith just finally i was wondering do you think it surprised um our politicians just how much of a groundswell of a response 
there has been from all levels here, from not just the IFA and NIFO, but from the public as well, in terms of as soon as there was a hint that something might hit a hitch, everybody was up in arms. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been impressive. Uh, I take my hats off to, to Jared Lawler and to the chairman of, of many of our senior clubs who pitched in and, and got their voices heard. Um, I think it's been an impressive response. Um, I think it's it's reminded the politicians in this country just how important uh, club football is um, to the community, to our society. And I think that the really good thing about this week, and there's been a lot of negative, but there's been some good that's come for it, is the fact that it's focused minds and it's put this debate uh, front and centre and back on the agenda, whereas it was probably, you know, way down the pecking order. It was certainly getting less publicity than, say, what was happening with Casement was getting. So I think it, it, it's been a positive week. Um, you know, Chimpian... Deirdre Hargey, let's, let's be honest, um, they haven't handled this particularly well. The announcement on Monday you know, caught people a little bit by surprise. Um, and then that was followed up uh, almost immediately by Conor Murphy's tweet, which indicated that the, that the Casement Park could still proceed as it was a flagship programme, whereas Irish League football's money, well, not Irish League, but football's money, uh, could not proceed because it, you know, it wasn't a flagship. Now that that was just factually wrong. You know, every, the information that was was brought out at the time made no separation between the the three stadiums, Casement, Ravenhill, and Windsor, and the sub regional. That whole thing was considered to be to be flagship, um, and and that put put Chintian and maybe Deirdre Hargey more specifically in a very very difficult position because it looked as if they were playing favourites. It looked as if they were favouring casement over the sub-regional funding and that you know that handed the UP and the UUP an opportunity to to, to slam Sinn Féin just before an election and that's what a lot of this is you know I, I suspect Sinn Féin were trying to highlight the fact that that the fact that the UP had collapsed the executive was what was going to cause the funding for sub-regional uh, stadia to be held up and then that's kind of backfired on them. But it just shows that like a lot of this, what, what went on on Monday and Tuesday, um, you know, it was party politics. It was it was people trying to get votes, trying to make the other side look bad in, in whatever way they could in the run-up to an election. And um, I think that's, that's kind of unsavory and a, and a little bit disappointing. But actually, in a way, it's worked out relatively well for, for football in Northern Ireland. Because as I say, it's, it's focused minds, it's back on the agenda and and we've actually we're maybe getting a little bit of movement whereas previously it didn't seem to be going anywhere i mean just uh, to keep ourselves right Connor murphy's tweet didn't mention the irish league in it but that was certainly the no. strong inference drawn from it um just just in case anyone hasn't seen that tweet uh, i don't want that to be misconstrued but it's been absolutely reiterated today in this program by the community's minister jadri hargy the money the 36.2 million is ring fenced uh, in case you missed it earlier she said that they're working to get through the legal issues. She is in the process of writing the executive minister still in post, and they want to get it across the line. So, so let's see. It's been a it's been a challenging week, I would say, and maybe they've been surprised by the the backlash. But they are now seemingly all singing happily with the, the IFA when Neville everyone's talking about clear the air talks, commitments, working together, happy families. Uh, we shall see. I know there'll be plenty of cynics out there still listening, but hopefully you have a better idea of where we are and uh, and thank you Keith for, for coming on and, and helping bring that perspective in terms of where this money might go, how it might help and uh, some of the areas that we need it most.
Thanks, Michael. The score with Michael Clark. Now, it isn't just about the Belfast area, naturally. I'm sure most of you are aware of that anyway, but let's broaden our perspective on what this money might actually mean to uh, another part of Northern Ireland, the Northwest, which, as part of it as well, and I've seen some people asking questions about this, means that, you know, Derry City could benefit from it, but many others too. Uh, to help bring a bit of light to the conversation is Kevin McLaughlin, of course, Derry Journal sports reporter. Kevin, good to have you on the show. Nice, nice to be on, Michael. And that's the the bit that maybe some people are getting confused. Derry City standing the benefit, but it's it's not quite as as cut and dry as that, is it? No, it's far from it to be honest. With you. Derry City are a tenant of the Brandywell, and basically, yes, they will benefit, but so will more importantly, the whole Derry and Straban district area in the northwest area will benefit, and rightly so because you've so many. Sporting events that are happening up here, not just football, but you've got like, you know, you've the Foil Cup, which is massive uh, throughout the summer months. Now, it hasn't been on for the last couple of years for obvious reasons with COVID, but it'll benefit Maiden City Soccer Institute. It'll benefit Derry City Ladies, Ladies Football Top Run here. Look, there's so many things. It's not just about Derry City Football Club. It's about the area and the community. And to be honest, it's well needed, in my opinion. Well, that's what I was wondering. What's uh, What would the impact be if these funds are released in the coming months as, I mean, now certainly everyone's trying to get back on the same page as each other once again, it appears? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I know, for instance, uh, in today's paper with the Derry Journal, we have actually spoken to the, the chairman of Derry City, Philip Bodorty, and he is saying, look, this is great, this is brilliant, but it's not just about Derry City. Yes, he obviously has a vested interest being the chairman, but he's saying, look, the whole area will benefit here, football in particular, and sporting, because there's talk of even other sports possibly getting used in and around the Brandywell area then too. It's just about a spectator saying people come in, they, they watch games. The facility, Mark Farnstein and the Brandywell is, is first class, but the both sides, you've been up yourself, mm-hmm. Michael, the both sides of Mark Farnstein, they do need finish. That's what phase two was all about. If they're finished and closed in, then it makes it such more a more impressive uh, arena. And it's going to be a case too, there was talk of Northern Ireland under-21s coming up and playing games there, but they needed a certain capacity. All them type of things will then benefit it and will then bring that sort of Belfast teams coming down, shall we say, putting it nicely to play in the Northwest and playing in Derry. There's always that accusation, isn't there, that we get a bit Belfast-centric and I think anyone outside of Belfast definitely feels that I've heard that leveled so many times down through the years. So so opening this up across the country uh, is something that feels like a no-brainer to me. Well, that's exactly it. You know, I know everybody's sort of saying Glenn Torrance getting this and Corey and whatever else. That, that That's great. And nobody's disputing that the Irish League Club should be getting this. But it has to go throughout the whole of Northern Ireland. It's not just staying in that Belfast, greater Belfast area. Uh, you, you look at the northwest and 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 Derry in particular, where for years it may may have been sort of looked over, shall we say, uh, and certain things. So the money's available now. The the rich payers in, in Derry are basically saying, look, we're paying our rich, so we're entitled to get our our, our facility up to scratch. And you mentioned the Foil Cup. Now we know, you know, so many young people uh, across Northern Ireland get to participate in that and have done down through the years. It's a fantastic tournament. Um, how how would it help the Foil Cup? 
with the the funds up there? Is it just a case of upscaling the the facilities? Well, that's it. That would benefit, you know, the long term. Uh, basically, in my opinion, the Foil Cup actually does more for local football uh, here in Northern Ireland than the Milk Cup, the NI Super Cup, as is now known as. But it's basically a case of the NI Super Cup is amazing. It's brilliant. I love going there every year myself. But it's a lot of cross-channel around the world teams and amazing. That's great that the, for the people here to see that and the economy gets an outstanding boost. But actual local teams playing it, there's not that many. It's normally no disrespect the elite of the elite to play in it. Well, the Foil Cup, it's got so many teams throughout Northern Ireland, from local junior teams to local uh, senior teams. And that's what it's all about then, getting the, 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 the young boys and girls a chance to play. So then if you're playing finals day at the Brandywell, which is always packed every year, well, you can have more people on date and more people are going to come date and see the new facility after when it gets finished off. It's been the, the development of Brandywell itself has been uh, very impressive down through the last number of years, hasn't it? I mean, if anyone hasn't been there recently, it, it's changed a quite a bit already. It has massively. Uh, what I would say to that, Michael, is it was about time too, because it took uh, a very long time to get it done. Because I can remember sitting in the old Glen Torn stand, as what people would have called it years ago. Uh, that now has completely disappeared. The change rooms have disappeared. The ground is completely different. There's no denying that. But as I say, it's been a long time coming, and it's just a case of just wanting to get it all finished. And phase two has always been on the card from day one. And basically now if this money does become available, then I think the people up in the Northwest will be looking to get their share of the pie. And what about instituting a, a long-term home for them? Um, will there ever be a return back to Drumahoe? They'll not be back at Drumahoe. Uh, they've actually sort of put that to bed completely. Now They've they've applied now to, to put it in and get it completely demolished and move on. So they do are still requiring. They, they look at uh, somewhere on the water side where they preferably get back to. That's exactly where they would want to be, and rightly so, they want their own home. Money, again, coming from Stormont, that'll be part of it. Institute will, will get their, their slice of the pie and basically then hold the money for wherever they can then get relocated, and that's what they'll, they'll be using, whatever money they, they may get. Can be a long old process, though, I would imagine. Oh, well, there's no denying it. They're in discussions with the, the council here to, to say, look, can we get this area here? Can we get that? Then there's the, they've then talking to the residents if they do get the thumbs up from the council. Look, there's still a lot they, they do, but I do know behind the scenes, Bill Anderson, the chairman, and his, his committee are working tirelessly behind the scenes. And you know yourself, Michael, the supporters don't want to sort of hear this. They just want to hear the final product, and this is when it's happening. But I know behind the scenes there's a lot going on. And the club, rightfully, are just sort of saying, look, we don't want to see anything yet until we get things rubber stamped. Yeah, it's understandable that that's the case as well. And uh, everyone's pushing for dates and, you know, they want all the facts. But um, at least now that uh, there's a bit more movement going on, they might be closer to hearing those in the coming months. We can only hope anyway. That's exactly it. And as I say, the, obviously the whole world has been put back a couple of years. So, you know, Institute's plans like anybody else's plans have been put back for I would say a year or two but that's just the way you know life has been for everybody so institute are no different than anybody else but they are as I say working tirelessly behind the scenes and hopefully now 
with this announcement, then when the money does become available, Ince should all get in there and get things, the ball may be moving quicker. And do you think the, there's a belief or a trust in the Northwest that this is finally happening? Well, there, there is, but the piece that, that we did with, with Philip, to be fair, was prior to any announcement. Philip, I think what Jared Lawler is also stating too, is saying, look, it was great getting $36 million a number of years ago, but things have changed. Building costs went up, everything's went up, so I think Philip is sort of similar to Jared Lawler. 36 is great, but we might need more, and I think that's what the, the discussions will be, is you're looking for a bit more money because everything has changed since then. Yep. Uh, very level-headed, Kevin, as well. There's me think you're going to come on ranting and raving. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You know me too well. I wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> oh, you're a decent spud. Uh, there you go. Derry Journal sports reporter Kevin McLaughlin. Kevin, thank you. No bother. The Score with Michael Clark. Well, that is us at the end of this week's programme. Uh, just a quick run through of the fixtures. I apologise, we haven't had time to preview them as we normally would, but Dungannon Swift's Cliftonville is a live stream on the BBC. I'm going to be at that one tonight, looking forward to it. Myself and Liam Beckett heading down. Well, fingers and toes crossed that Storm Eunice behaves herself. We don't need Liam Beckett being blown into a nearby tree. Uh, Lauren Glentoran, what a match that is as well at Inver Park. It is tasty at the top of the table, and tonight... No different. Uh, the Saturday fixtures, Ballymena United against Glenavon at the showgrounds. Crusaders welcome Carrick Rangers to Seaview. Linfield are at home against Portadown. And Warren Point Town entertain Coleraine. On Tuesday, there is one league game taking place. That is Cliftonville against Warren Point Town. Can Warren Point Town continue to keep picking up points and put the pressure on Portadown? Let's see. We'll be talking about that more next week, certainly. But uh, for now, all that remains to be said is thank you to our guests for joining us. Thank you for listening and enjoy your weekend of sport, weather permitting. Take care.